It's time for Open Line Friday on The Andy Griffin Show. It's your chance to be heard, air your grievances, and take your shot. Only on Open Line Friday on The Andy Griffin Show. Hey, good morning to you. I am Andy Griffin. It is Open Line Friday. Of course, the topic today is something on everyone's mind right now. It's uh, COVID-19. And uh, as part of Open Line Friday, Anna, the, the main thing on everyone's mind, I actually have a special guest today. Her name is Jerry Jorgensen. Maybe you heard of her. She's only been on seemingly every newscast for the last uh, few days. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You had to get up at 4 o'clock this morning to be on Fox? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I was on Fox and Friends, so that's that is, when they wanted me to be on. So That is crazy. <laughs> okay. I hope they at least bought you breakfast or something, because that is early. You, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, folks uh, who uh, maybe are saying, wait, who's Jerry Jorgensen? Jerry was on the cruise ship, the, the first one, really, basically, that uh, they found out there was coronavirus, and they quarantined them. And, uh, well, you know, instead of me trying to describe what happened, Jerry, maybe can you can you tell us your story just a little bit about, about how what, what happened to you on the cruise ship? Sure. I'll do the Reader's Digest version okay. as opposed to the Tolstoy version. Okay. So we were had finished our 15-day cruise of Asia. We were back in Japanese harbor and, or just approaching the harbor, and the captain came on the ship at dinner. I mean, this doesn't happen. They don't make big announcements over dinner. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they hardly ever make announcements. And said that there was a gentleman from Hong Kong that flew to Tokyo, got on our cruise ship, um, didn't ever go down to medical services or anything like that. And then our second stop was Hong Kong. He got off in Hong Kong, didn't ever get back on the ship, became more ill, went to the hospital, and tested positive for COVID-19, So, which didn't have that name back then. Right. And so, of course, they had to call the cruise ship and let them know and see this it took a while because he didn't go to the hospital for a while and then he had to be tested and then those results had to come back. So it didn't happen until we were done with our cruise. And because of that, the Japanese ministry took over. They took over that princess cruise ship. I mean, they just said, we're in charge now. You're in our waters. This is what we're going to do. You have to anchor off the, off the dock and uh, we are going to send um, medical people in to take temperatures. So they came and we stayed in their cabins and they took temperatures of everyone. If they had a fever, which we did not, if they had a fever, then they would be, then they tested them with a throat swab, sent both samples in. So that second day, they did the swabs very quickly. They got the 10 people off the ship the first day. Then it was another 10. And then it was 34. And then it was we have all the numbers written somewhere. Then it was 64. Anyway, and it just got more and more where they were, you know, where we were completely quarantined to our cabins, and the crew would bring us the meals. They weren't allowed in the room. They were all ganned up. Nobody had hazmat suits on. The only ones that even had like a um, more of a, and it wasn't even a full hazmat suit, was after a while they had, they came and tested both of us, not because we were experiencing symptoms. Oh, and then we self-monitored. They gave us thermometers to everyone, and if it was above 37.5 Celsius, then we were to contact the medical crew. My husband was on immunosuppressant drugs because he's had two kidney transplants. Right. So they knew that because they were paying for his drugs. They they went and got everyone's medication 
there was because you know I'm sure there was diabetics on there. I mean, there was a lot of people. I mean, I'm making up you know heart medicine and high blood pressure, all that stuff. So they knew about it. So they said we should test him because he is compromised. So they came in, did a throat swab on both of us, and then um, that was on a Wednesday. Then on Friday, which was Valentine's Day, um, that night I felt warm and I took my temperature and it was just barely over a hundred. And I go, oh, I think I, I mean, just a little bit over a hundred, but I do feel warm. And went to bed and felt fine. The next morning, the fever was completely gone. Later on that afternoon, they came to our room and said, "Okay, you tested positive. We're taking you to an ambulance." Uh, by ambulance to a hospital. And so Mark starts putting a few things in a, in a bag, and they go, oh, not you, it's her. I go, wait, what, oh, it's wow. me? And, and so that was surprising to both of us. Um, first of all, I'm never sick. I haven't had a cold or a flu or anything in probably three decades. I'm just never sick. It's because I rolled in the dirt and climbed trees and drank out of a garden hose. <laughs> I, I love up. it. I don't know. I, I think I just have a, a really high immune system. And, and then I take care of myself as well. But anyway, so they loaded me up into a into a hospital. I wasn't on a gurney, but just seated. And there was the, a driver and another guy. And then they were they were gowned up pretty heavily. Again, no hazmat suits. Took me four hours. I thought they were just going to take me somewhere in Tokyo. And I'm going, oh man, where are they taking me? Four hours later, they take me to a hospital in uh, a place called Fukushima. And Fukushima is kind of famous because in 2011, they had a a tsunami and they had a nuclear disaster. Yeah, they had, yeah, their reactor got busted open. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So that was, that was where they took me. And part of it was, um, I don't know if I was the only American there. I don't know if I was the only one from the cruise ship there or that was even tested positive for this. I have no idea because it's confidentiality. And trust me, it, we were using Google Translate. That was the least thing. I was, oh, I was wow. laughing. I was going to ask them. So none of the doctors or nurses spoke any English at all. Now, how, they were so lovely. Did they, did they ever tell you why they took you so far away? Did you ever find out? I, I think that, um, no, I never did find out. I mean, like I said, the language barrier was just like almost impossible. And, mm. and the ambulance drivers, they weren't talking. I mean, they Asked me once if the temperature in the room was okay. And again, Google Translate. Everything was Google Translate. Oh, I, I don't know. See, by that time, there was quite a few people taken off the ship. Maybe they felt like there was enough people in the hospital, and maybe they started moving them further out into the country. Uh, not sure about that. I think it was a coincidence that it was Fukushima as far as the nuclear disaster. Right. Because, you know, I was that. And the thing was, the whole 14 days that I was in quarantine, and they would come in every third day and swab my throat and put sticks up my nostrils, you know, to mm. get the nose swabbed. Yeah. And what they told me is that by Japanese standards, if, when my throat clears, they would have let me go. But the CDC was in charge because I'm an American. And so they insisted, which I'm glad of, uh, I mean, the nose swabs were pleasant, but I'm glad that I had them. So they had, so nose swabs and the throat swabs had to come back clear, had to come back negative two, di- two times in a row, 24 hours apart. Wow. So, so- that, that was that. That's why I was there for so long. It wasn't necessarily a magical 14 days. So you were there in Fukushima for, for two weeks uh, by yourself Correct. pretty much with no other 
no other English speakers. What in the world did right. I know you're an active person. You had to have been going nuts, especially since you didn't even feel sick. Yeah, I had absolutely no symptoms. And my husband and I, you know, we're really pretty good at living in the present and recognizing what is. We own an addiction treatment center called Desert Solace, and this is what we teach, that we recognize what is, not what should have been, or be a victim to our circumstances or mm-hmm. to anyone. I mean, I could have been mad at that poor little Hong Kong man. Yeah. But, you know, but why? Why would I put my energy to being a victim of something that this is what is, this is what's right in front of me, I get to absolutely experience this to the best of my ability. I did get them to bring me a yoga mat because I do Pilates at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, a couple of times, talk about getting up early, um, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'd set my alarm to get up at 1 a.m. my time so I could check in with my Pilates class through FaceTime. Somebody would do FaceTime, and I would do Pilates and bar class with them at 1 in the morning. Oh, that's cool. So, <laughs> So that was really cool. And so I was still kind of connected to my to my girls. I could FaceTime my kids, my grandkids, um, could FaceTime Mark, you know, as much as we wanted, sometimes six, ten times a day, just saying, oh, I just thought of this. And how, how we're, we're, you know. So in the meantime, so that they took me off the ship on Saturday. On Monday, they took the Americans by a military transport. Um, to America. They took them to Travis Air Force Base in California. Okay. That's where Mark got off. Still had not tested positive yet. Um, but they were putting them in a 14-day quarantine. And then our friends that we were traveling with, <clears throat> the Goldmans, who are from California, Carl developed a high fever on the plane coming over. So they put him in kind of a quarantine part of the plane. They had like plastic strips they said down and then of course his wife her name is also jerry she went back to, and they went to omaha nebraska which is kind of a oh they have the biocontainment units and and all this stuff was built um i think for ebola for that outbreak okay. so so he still has not tested negative and um and mark they let him come home about five days ago because he was in a biocontainment unit in salt lake city they had moved in there, and, you know, and the doctor says, you don't have any symptoms. You're taking up this bed. I don't know if we're going to mm. need it later. We're going to. And so he talked to the CDC. They had a meeting every morning with 20 people just to talk about Mark. Oh, CDC, boy. all, you know, and they said, let's get him home to home quarantine because Jerry's tested negative, and she's basically immune. So, yeah, might as well just let him convalesce. He's not even convalesce. I hate that word because he's not sick. (laughs) But get those, wait for those two negative tests to come. And they still haven't come yet, but it's like a five-day turnaround because they have to. So uh, a home uh, health from public health comes in on Mondays and Thursdays, swabs his throat, sticks those, you know, for the samples to get up in the nostrils. Mm -hmm. And then they have to send them to Atlanta, Georgia. And, and it takes a while to get him back. And your husband right now is not allowed to go anywhere. He has to stay in his bedroom. Correct. He is confined to the house. He cannot leave the house. Um, I can. because, And that's the only reason, you know, and, and people were kind of freaking out at my gym because they're going, oh, my gosh, you know, she's at the gym. I, I don't want to be here. I, I'm going to put my membership on hold until she, to make sure she never comes back. Hmm. At least and I'm going, wait a minute, I'm the safest person to be in that gym. Yeah. I'm the safest person in St. George. I'm the only one, one of the few in America, 
that has gone through the quarantine that has tested negative. You can't say that about anybody else in this town. Right. I'm the one that went through that. I'm the one that's safe. But people were freaking out, so my gym is trying to work with me and saying, we don't want you to come back, until, but what can we do for you? You know, they're, they're trying to work with me, and I'm going, you know, this, is, this, is, this isn't right. You know, yeah. so this virus is going to, I mean, as you know, it's spreading everywhere. People are going to get it. The good news is 80%, and this came from the CDC, 80% of the people who contract this virus, 80% will either experience zero or very, very mild symptoms. And they don't talk about the 70,000 or whatever right now that have recovered. They don't talk about that. They're still talking about all the negative. And that's why this hysteria is going on. And it just breaks my heart to see we're big sports fanatics. And, and, you know, and, and, yeah, did Rudy Gobert, you know, was he silly touching all those microphones? Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, come on. What are you, five? Come on, grow up, man. You know, you know. like a 12-year-old. You're right. (laughs) He was, yeah. Well, I said five. You said 12. Okay. (laughs) I would have done it at 12 probably. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You know, where they just have to touch all the buttons and all the microphones. And, you know, he apologized and he didn't know he was, you know, going to test yeah, positive. Yeah, he had no idea. Sure. But still, yeah, but it, it was silly to do. But everyone, you know, this virus is spreading. It is extremely contagious. We know that. And unless you are really in a compromised situation if you're very elderly you have heart problems or you know just other other underlying, underlying issues of course they need to be extra cautious the rest of us i think we just get to live our lives my daughter in uh north dakota she called she has got she's missed work for the last three days because she has this raging flu with body aches and oh my gosh and upper congestion and sinuses and and I go I it's not COVID nineteen she goes oh I know hmm. I wish I had COVID nineteen be a lot easier <laughs> the symptoms yeah. would be so much easier so you know there's a lot of hysteria I don't get the toilet paper thing no I don't get <laughs> no. while they I I'm still struggling on that it yeah. is not the apocalypse and it's not a dysentery thing and and I don't get it. I mean, I mean, I, I think, and that's just part of the hysteria that has built. I see it in St. George. Uh, people said, "Oh, I hear you've had death threats." We have not had death threats. And that was there actually people. Yeah, that was actually yeah, going to be ahead. my next my next question was: uh, <laughs> Have you have you been threatened? Have you had people maybe not a death threat, but say, "Hey, stay away. I don't want to see you." Whatever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and that actually came before um, even before I was released from Japan. We were hearing that, oh, we've got some people, you know, they're going to be coming back. They were on that cruise ship. We don't want them here. Go away. Mm. And even when Mark was flown from California to um, this biocontainment unit in, uh, it, was, it was interesting. It was built five years ago for Ebola, and he's their first patient. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they, never, they never used it in five years. But, you know. He didn't need to be there. He didn't need that level of care. And I've had, you know, and, and so uh, there was actually um, law enforcement said, we're picking up on some social media some threats. I never read any personally. There was never any directed directly to me okay. uh, or to him. But they said there are threats in, to the point where the Washington County Sheriff called me and said, this is my number. If you have any problems, I will have a car there in three minutes. And I've had nothing but we've had 
you know, neighbors and, and our church has brought over so much food. And uh, there was some uh, youth group that did all these hearts. They call it a heart attack. And mm-hmm. they had it on the wrong door. They had it in a door that we lived in two years ago, but with cupcakes and balloons and we love you and block the haters and all these cute. It was on my, it's on my Facebook and just all these cute things. We've really received nothing but love. Uh, I was a little bit stunned with the gym situation. Yeah, you do say because, doesn't come, don't come back, huh? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. They just said, you know, will you give us time to at least work this out? Hmm. And I could be a real stinker and say, no, I'm not doing that. I am cleared. No one else is cleared. These guys, if they're any, and this is kind of funny. He said, well, we have a lot of elderly, um, <laughs> which is that I'm going. I'm elderly. <laughs> That's <laughs> then, me. You know, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm not typical elderly, but, right. you know, I'm 65 years old. And, you know, anyway, so it's just, it's fear. And I, and I get the fact that people, you know, when they tap into that fear, into tapping into common sense oftentimes, I mean, seriously, brain cells just float away somehow. <laughs> I don't true. really know how yeah. that happens. But the fear, the fear is, and this hysteria I'm telling you, I think it's more dangerous than the virus. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and it's affecting our economy and it's affecting so many things. Oh, my God. Let me ask your, your, yeah. your reaction about everything shutting down. Uh, you said it's incredibly int- contagious, so maybe it's a good mm-hmm. thing they're shutting the, the big events down, or is it a bad thing they're shutting the events down? This is what I think, and I know there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me. I think... You know, and, and, and I'm not going to argue politics and, and what President Trump is doing with the travel bans and stuff. And, and they're saying the travel ban they put on the Chinese was really, really a good thing, which, which I agree. And now he's put on your – and I think, yes, I think we've got to take a breath and get a grip on this. I totally agree with that. What I don't like is when they're saying, this is canceled, this is canceled. How about if they say something like, until we know more or until we see how it's going to affect our community, our state, our country, whatever, let's just take a pause here. Yes, okay, so we're going to canceling, you know, all these. Instead of canceling, maybe they could say postpone. I make up that the NBA season is going to finish. I don't, I think it'll probably go into the summer. Who cares? I would love, I mean, I'm a big Utah State Aggie, and they won the Mountain West Championship yeah, on a buzzer beater. Last I mean, second so shot exciting. by Sam Merrill, yeah. By Sam. And Sam, he is actually uh, the nephew of one of my really good friends. And, you know, this kid and these seniors, that they've worked their butts off. I don't worry about the NBA. They're getting paid buku bucks. I don't worry about them. But these college athletes and all their stuff is being shut down, my heart just breaks for them. Mm, And so can we say we're going to postpone it? Let's take a breath, and we're going to do the tournament in June or whatever. That's what I would like to see happen. So it's not like our world comes to a stop. And I get that people have planned trips and cruises. Trips and cruises and stuff, you know, they're still going to be there. Graduations, my grandson graduates. He's in Wisconsin. I don't know if they're going to cancel his graduation. I don't know if they're going to cancel high school graduations yet. But the fact that they're closing down schools, closing down um, commencements for university, and, and even closing down, I mean, Dixie and Utah State and BYU see, yeah, and UVU, yeah. you know, they're, they're closing him down. Do I think it's run by some hysteria? Yes, I do. And do I want them to err on the side of caution? Yes, I want that too. 
but I want us to get out of panic mode. That's and that was that's my whole message when I do these Facebook lives that you know these I've got all these thousand people following me because they're going, oh, you got it. And you, you kind of seem normal. Well, not seem normal, but I look pretty healthy, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and that's part of the reasons why we do that, to see if we can use some kind of influence that let's just calm things down, take a deep breath. If you are quarantined, make sure you're, you know, that you've got enough food in the house and that you, you know, do what you can. I, I'm a big proponent of exercise and moving your body. That's just you know, that it's just holistic, you know, moving your body and eating properly sure. and hydrating and all that stuff. And just chill and just chill. And I get that the work thing is an issue. I, I get that, too. And kids, you know, that, you know, and like one of my friends said on, a, on our mountain bike yesterday, she says, my biggest fear is not that I get this virus, is that I have to be quarantined with my kids for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's it called is, vacation is, We might as well not resist. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. Now, listen, Jerry, I'd love to have you stay on and take some calls, but I do have to get a weather commercial break in. Are you okay to hang around a little okay. longer? I sure am. That's fine. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. We're talking with Jerry Jorgensen, who contracted the COVID-19 or coronavirus while she was on a cruise. And uh, we're going to take your calls with Jerry when we come back right after this quick break. Welcome back to the program. It's a Friday, a rainy Friday. And, uh, of course, uh, Hot on everyone's mind right now is COVID-19. We've got Jerry Jorgensen, who actually had the COVID-19 virus. And uh, how, how bad, at your very worst, Jerry, how did you feel when you were going through this experience? At the very worst was the night that before I got taken off the ship with a 100-degree temperature for about a few hours. Did, that did, was it. Did, I never felt any other symptoms really no head no big headaches or coughing or any of that that's crazy nothing that's crazy good my husband mark Hmm. no symptoms at all well let's go i people are lined up they want to ask questions so uh, let's go to the phone lines uh uh caller you're on with andy and we're with jerry jorgensen who has experienced the covid virus covid19 virus how are you Uh uh-oh all garble. Hopefully they'll call back. Let's go to line three. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Jerry Jorgensen. How are you? Yeah, but the boy, the uh, signals are not coming across good. Try again. Mm, I wonder what's going on, Jerry. Our phone lines, that, that doesn't sound good it's at all, does it? It's not me. It's not me, I promise. <laughs> no, it's not her. Uh, all right. I think this caller actually sounds normal. Go ahead. That sounded like Minnie Mouse. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Disneyland. But you sound good, though, so... Okay. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad that uh, Jerry is recovered and back home. And uh, But, you know, there is still a lot that they don't know about the coronavirus. I mean, they, they know that uh, uh, the incubation period and they know that uh, uh, there was a small study in China that uh, it can persist in the body for at least two weeks and then the symptoms clear up. But they're still studying this virus, and it's. Uh, I'm reading this one article from a website called Live Science. It's on March 6th of this uh, this month, and it says it's not uncommon for viruses to persist at low levels in the body, in the body, even after someone recovers from an illness. And this is uh, Ebenezer Tubman, a viro- um, virologist at Michigan Tech University, and he says, for example, the Zika and Ebola virus are known to stick around for months after patients recover, but. Really? The thing is, even if they're in the body, 
at this point, uh, individuals are not very contagious because the coughing and sneezing, the particles around, uh, has stopped, and uh, the viral loads are also very low. It takes more than intimate. Con- it, it take it would take intimate contacts uh, to spread the virus. Uh, now they're talking about uh, Zika and Ebola, and um, so you know they're drinking from the same glass of water or. Uh, giving someone a big hug and a, and, and a kiss, a relative or something. But in, until they come to this point where they actually know everything there is to know about this virus, I, you know, I think uh, uh, Jerry should be careful as far as sharing a glass of water or, you know, kissing a grandson uh, on the lips or something like that and so on. But as far as spreading it, I mean, that's crazy about that, Jim. She really isn't that contagious at this point right now because – Jerry, when, when, when did it, uh, what was the date when you first realized you had it? How long ago was that? That's been well over a month. Oh, yeah. The date was uh, the 14th, 14th of February. February. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're way past period. that period as far as being contagious and so on. So, right. But, uh, and, you know, but, you know and, I appreciate you. So I was just going to say, you know, I even kind of self stay. I limited myself to any public places for an extra eight days after I got home. My doctor said I didn't have to do that, but I chose to do that because I love this community and I don't want people freaking out. So that's why I did that. Right. And, you know, and the thing is, uh, the last thing, I mean, I was over at Costco the other day and I was buying a cheesecake and there was this, uh, there was this person and they looked so panicked and they, and all they had in their basket were two large containers of toilet paper. And I guess that's the joke on, uh, on Facebook. How is toilet paper going to save you? And I did see one video. Wow, it was a joke video where the guy wrapped his face in toilet paper and so on to stop, yeah. <laughs> stop getting the virus. But, yeah, people are panicking. It is crazy. Yes, it's more contagious, but, you know, we will get through this, and uh, it's just the panic yeah. that's hurting us most in this country right now. So, right, but welcome home, Jerry, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank okay. you for the call today. Thank you. I, thank you. I never felt bad. Just so everyone knows, I never felt bad. It is good to be home, and I want to respect everyone. I don't buy into the hysteria and that would be my biggest message just chill and you don't need all these whole things of water i mean i think it's good to have some water on hand but the coronavirus is not in pipes right and and we actually had the the water conservancy director on and he said we we chlorinate our water here in saint george so even if somehow the virus did get in the water it would be dead before it ever got to any any people so well, there you go. All right, let's go. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy and with Jerry Jorgensen today. How are you? Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, that's much better. Thank you. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, happy uh, Open Line Friday. Thank Free you. Open Line Friday day. Yeah. What's on your mind? So yesterday, I would have asked her, the mayor of Mildell. She said, "Don't come in. Don't come in and fix us. You know, come in and work with us. You know." Oh, yeah, talking about Hilldale, right? Right. <clears throat> and I would have asked her also, I said, you know, I know I'm speaking for a lot of people because it's been brought up to me and a lot of coworkers have talked about it. They say, although we're the silent majority, it oftentimes feels like we're the minority. I go to Costco and there will be a big group of ladies or men with their two cell phones on their hips and then the earpiece in their ear and their... And um, and uh, they kind of move around, and you're kind of supposed to move out of their way, kind of a thing. It's like this weird 
kind of almost kind of like they had like a, a sickness or something, and we're supposed to kind of play this dance in the aisle way where we can't really make eye contact. I would have asked her one thing. I thought an, eco, an, an economic question, so to speak. They say she was saying how she wants to bring in new jobs and new maybe restaurants and companies. And I say, how do you expect people to want to travel there and come there if they people naturally don't feel welcome? I know for a fact that I tested it out, and I've worked with a lot of polygamists before. And she can back this up if you ever get it. I used to work for Ultradet. A lot of uh, men that leave the community, they're called crickers, they go there. Okay. Uh, in fact, the community, anyway, so, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I would ask her, I said, hey, how do you expect to bring in more revenue streams into that town and city uh, if people don't feel welcome? Number two, it seems to me like there's the haves and the have-nots. I see one set of family or group of polygamists, and they'll have the iPhone 11 on their hip, and they'll have the brand-new, nicest shoes. And I, Ironically, I didn't mean to, but I parked next to their brand-new Escalade with the mm, nice wow. pants and everything. And then I'll notice another family of polygamists, and I know I know exactly what I I know that I'm telling you that you're like kind of inside your mind. I know you're nodding, and a lot of people are. <laughs> but then I'll see another group of people, and they have holes in their shoes, holes in their clothes, and the dad and the four boys, and the, and I'm sorry that you have this. I, I don't. I was under the impression it was kind of a law of consecration, kind of a community where we all kind of pool and share the. But it seems like uh, there's the haves and the have-nots, and well, how do you expect to, you know, that's one of the questions I would have asked her. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I, I appreciate the thoughts on that. You know, the the thing is that she was telling me is Hilldale's not like it used to be, and, and I agree with you. I remember thinking those same things in the past, but uh, <laughs> I, will, I will say this. I, I feel like that Hilldale, and she, she talked about it a couple of times, Hilldale is different now. Uh, I remember going, I had actually a restaurant gift certificate and going out to Hilldale. This was like in the mid-90s. And you're right. I didn't feel welcome there. It didn't, it didn't feel right. And she said, have you been back? And I said, no, not really. I didn't feel welcome. And she said, well, it's different now. Come to our restaurants and see that it's different. You are welcome here. So I want to ask Jerry. Jerry, how long have you been in southern Utah now? Uh, 28 years. Oh, so about, about the same as me. Have you, have you had a chance to go out in, in, I mean, obviously you've driven by there, but, you know, experience Hilldale at all. We used to go out all the time and go to Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah. That's still there. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I can honestly say I haven't really been back. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't even think about going out there. I go out there and mountain bike. There's a lot out there with the mesas and stuff. I do mm-hmm. that, but I've not gone in and actually gone to a restaurant or anything. And it's not for any prejudice or any reason that I wouldn't feel welcome. I mean, I feel welcome or I don't. I mean, I, I have a mohawk. You know, I'm a 65 year old grandma with a mohawk. So, <laughs> you know, people go, oh, well, there you go. And I go, and guess what? You're all my relatives. So there's that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so I, I honestly can't say that I've, um, I haven't ever, I remember going out to Mark Twain and, and, I felt fine. I've kind of felt welcome wherever I've been, even in a Japanese hospital where they can't understand me. That's so that's I think impressive. That's just how we roll. I, I feel like, man, that that experience you had in Fukushima wasn't. I, I just I feel like yes. 
that would have been the hardest thing maybe I'd have to go through in my life, being in a foreign place where nobody speaks your language, you don't speak their language, I guess is a better way to say it, and being isolated. And I mean, I'm impressed that you came out of that with such a good attitude, Jerry. Well, I think a lot of it was, number one, I mean, I did get, they, they got me an iPad and they got me, you know, it took three days to get internet. And boy, oh, was no. that a lesson for me. Of, oh my gosh, <laughs> when I didn't have any internet, it was isolation on top of isolation. Did you have a book I to read or something? Yeah, well, I had some audio books. I did have one book. Service in Salt Lake City has issued a flash flood warning for East Central Washington County in northern Utah, specifically for eastern portions of Zion National Park until 12.45 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. At 9.38 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time, park rangers in Zion National Park reported flash flooding across eastern portions of park, including Echo, Hidden, and Refrigerator Canyons. Up to one inch of rain has fallen over the last 12 hours. Flash flooding is already occurring. Hazard, flash flooding caused by heavy rain. Source, law enforcement. Impact, flooding of slot canyons. Some locations that will experience flooding include Zion National Park and Springdale. Additional rainfall amounts of 0.25 inches over the next several hours are possible in the warned area. Flows are expected to gradually diminish through midday. Flooding is occurring or is imminent. It is important to know where you are relative to streams, rivers, or creeks which can become killers in heavy rains. Campers and hikers should avoid streams or creeks. Repeating, a flash flood warning has been issued until 12.45 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time for the following county, Washington, Utah. Right, you're right. Okay, so I am looking forward to hot, dry, sunny weather, and I think this whole thing is going to melt away, maybe not forever, and I'm just going to stay in my home. I'm going to stay away from public. I've got three or four uh, risk factors, so I'm not going to expose myself to public meetings and, and places where I might have uh, uh, contact. I'm going to uh, eat a, a plant-based diet of fruits and vegetables. I'm going to drink clean, pure. I'm going to drink distilled water. I'm, go I'm having a cup of tea right now. And life is good, uh, and I do have the Internet, and I've had some Internet problems, and it's like somebody cut my arm off. Oh. Yeah. It's a, and let me mention two things that would, that, that would help. Number one, there is a gentleman in town who, who manufactures a product called St. George Silver Saw. It's called an, it's a nano silver particle. And it has the ability to attack any pathogen that it may, it may come in contact with, and you can swallow it and, and put it on abrasions or anything like that. And there's something else. There's another company in town. It's called Grandma's Herbs. 
and they have a huge line of herbal treatments and they uh, herbal preparations. And there's one I particularly like, and it's called um, um, Nature's Biotic. They've changed the name. It used to be Dr. Christopher's anti-plague formula, and it's a mixture of herbs of garlic and and uh, golden seal and echinacea and stuff. And they're available. And uh, one of the things I've learned is you don't take a couple cap, uh, capsules and call it good. You take two or three, in my case, um, every couple of hours, and usually any symptoms of any kind are gone overnight. Hmm. Cool. Okay? And so there's some simple things, and I talked about onions, and I talked about garlic and chives and leeks, and those things contain an antibiotic called allicin. And so to keep your immune system, the, the most important thing that I think we have is a healthy immune system, and then we're not going to get the severe sy- symptoms that might put us in the hospital. Well said, well said. In fact, uh, I'm guessing, uh, Jerry, you're still there, right? I'm guessing you yes, have a pretty healthy immune system. I think I, I, I must. Like I said, I'm never sick. I haven't had a cold or a flu, um, no underlying issues. And, and I really... I. I, I just want to throw this out there. I don't know if it has to do with the coronavirus, but kind of, that a lot of parents that I see are just afraid to let their kids get dirty. They don't, mm. you know, let them roll in the dirt. They don't, you know, and and so they don't, and then they're covering them in hand sanitizer um, <laughs> instead of just using soap and water. And I'm just looking at this going, uh, you're just breaking down this kid's immune system. Yeah, and. True. You know, and, and so, you know, just, just a thing for parents, and you know, and this is what I've got almost nine grandkids, and, and my daughters know to do this. They play in the dirt. They climb trees. They, you know, they, you know, and, and luckily they're in a place where they live in a place where they can do that and, you know, safely and stuff. But I like what this gentleman had to say. He's going to use some common sense. He's oh, common sense. Himself. Yeah. Brilliant. This is exactly, this is common sense. This is being smart. This is using our brain instead of letting fear drive the hysteria. Because when we're in fear, we do not make good choices. Our all, brain doesn't let us. All I know, Jerry, is we bought toilet paper a couple of weeks ago before all this happened, and, and we're good for a while. <laughs> good. So we're good. Okay, Let's go back to the yeah. phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Jerry Jorgensen. We're talking coronavirus. What's on your mind? I, well, first of all, thanks for having Jerry on here and, and speaking out to a voice of reason to try to get all, you know, common sense, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going with that, yesterday we did go to Costco just to pick up a few things, and we saw that, you know, the toilet paper had sold out, and so people were starting to buy paper towels and the and those the baby wipes. Uh-huh. Let's, can I just say, let's please use common sense and let's not... If it gets to that point, let's not flush our paper towels and our wipes down the toilet and ruin the sewage system. Yeah, yeah. I saw, <laughs> I saw that, a story. That, that's what will, it will happen, unfortunately. And so let's just try to get this out to be smart. Let's look to the future and not ruin everything that we have good now. <laughs> let, me, let me throw out my, my prediction is in two weeks the, the coronavirus will be a it'll, – it'll still exist, but it will be a memory. And all the, all the panicking and, and shutting down of things will have been – you know, we'll look at it and go, did we really need to do that? I'm not sure that we did. I, somebody said – I, I forget who it was. Somebody said, you know, you can't really win in this 
situation as a politician that President Trump put the travel ban yeah. in and all these things. And if it works, then they're going to they'll still say, eh, you know, you kind of overdid it. If it doesn't work, then he's, you know, he's going to be uh, just exactly. blasted in the media. So it's, it's a tough deal. Yeah. But I agree with you. Common sense should be number one on the list, shouldn't it? And we have to remember, we have to remember also that the toilet paper industry is going to be running full bore. So things will get restocked within a week or two. So people need to calm down, use common sense. Anyway, I'll I'll clear up your line. Thanks, Andy. Okay, thank you. Good to talk to you today. Let's go. Uh, let's go to line three. We've got about uh, about five minutes left. We're talking with Jerry Jorgensen, who was experienced. He was the cruise ship passenger that uh, from Utah that got the coronavirus. And, and anyway, do you have a question for us? Yeah, I do. I hear a lot of uh, and hello, Jerry. And I'm glad that uh, your experience was uh, pretty much a non-event, other than the great. Uh, uh, inconvenience, and, you know, obviously that was very difficult, and, and your outcome was a very good one, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I hear a lot about common sense, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm somebody who looks at what I see, and I listen to what people say, and right now those things don't match. Our governor right. has declared, declared an emergency. Uh, I guess that was an overreaction. Uh, we have uh, China and Italy and South Korea all of these places are in major lockdown. Um, I, I see these things happening, um, and I ask myself, so if this is just a minor little flu and everybody, and by the way, you mentioned the 80% that it's minor. What about the 20% that get it? And the, you know, at this point, we don't know how many people are going to die from it. But, uh, and unfortunately, they're not here to tell their story because they're dead. And we're early on in this process in this country. We're not doing any testing of any significance whatsoever. And so I would just ask you, Jerry, did did the Chinese and the Italians and the South Koreans overreact? And is that just hysteria? I think part of it is, and again, I want to always uh, talk about caution, but You know something that's happening because of this hysteria? Not even so much that's affecting the coronavirus, but us as social human beings by saying you can't go visit your loved one in the old folks' home. You know, there's going to be no contact there. And I go, oh, my gosh, they lose that connection and that contact. Do we take precautions? Yes. But we're losing the, the social connection that is so critical for lives and that's why and i'm i'm i agree with andy but i think this thing can be blown over in a couple of weeks i really do and you know you look at how many deaths do we have we have 40 41 i think deaths as of yesterday and back when they were doing it with the swine flu there was fifteen thousand. so and i may have my numbers a little bit skewed but not much and you know but nothing was ever talked about and the panic i think we just live in a panic fear-driven society right now and so um yeah is it exploding and and i don't know if you know much about italians they kiss everybody whether they know you or not and so i i get why that's kind of spreading there i'm not sure about all the other places do i think this is a real thing yes it absolutely is but do i think overreaction can be i really think some of the steps that are happening the fear okay we are now um you know we're in a state of emergency and people go out and buy 100 rolls of toilet paper because their brains have been turned off that hysteria has taken all common sense off of the table and that's that's what i'm really really noticing as i study this and i 
I talk to probably three or four news agencies a day because they're interested in what I have to say as a voice of reason because you're not going to get it in the media very much. I don't really think you are the voice of reason. I think that really um, your experience was was an amazing one, and and we we all are grateful that you're healthy. But the fact is, and, and, you know, we just want to ignore what's happening on the other side of the planet. And, by the way, uh, it's here, and we're up to, uh, I don't know, 1,200 today, and uh, if it continues at the rate it's going, and, of course, you got to remember, we're not testing people. We've only tested 4,000 people since this started. And so if you don't test people, obviously you're not going to have uh, any numbers reporting. And so your, your prognosis or your prediction is two weeks from now, along with Andy's, that this will be a non-event. Mm-hmm. My prediction is two weeks from now we're going to look a lot like uh, Italy. Mm. Well, I, I hope you're you wrong, can, Steve. But... You, I hope you're wrong, too. And you can absolutely choose to believe. And that's just this whole thing. We all get to choose how to live our lives. And are we cautious? Yes. But I'm not going to live my life in fear. There is no way I'm going there. I'm living it with faith that it's going to be all right. That uh, and if it and if the world explodes tomorrow, then the world explodes tomorrow. But yeah, I'm not going to stop living my life. I will continue to go on cruises when they open that up again. Hmm. I will continue to do all the things that I love. I'm just not. And and you may be right. It might really explode. And I think with, as we're doing more testing, my daughter-in-law works in a lab up in Salt Lake City. They did 500 tests yesterday. So. Are they? Are we behind in testing? Yes. Yeah. Is it happening? Yes. And as those tests are happening, of course we're going to get more. Like, oh, there's more positives. Here you go. And we sure. will get more of a baseline. But people are not dying. They're not dying like they did with the swine flu. All right. We're out of time. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on today. It's wonderful to talk to you, and I'm glad you're healthy.